0: Welcome, friends. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Ravel Radio. I'm Kara Steinman, your host for this podcast and the founder of the Ravel Collective, an online networking community for purpose driven women service entrepreneurs. Today's guest is fellow Raveler Julie Fry. Julie is the founder of Your Expert Guest, a podcast guest booking agency for female founders and impact driven leaders who want to speak directly to their ideal client without spending hours on social media. She and her team have booked over 1,500 interviews for their clients and can track hundreds of thousands of dollars of business back to being a podcast guest on top-ranked shows. When she's not working with her amazing team of guest and host matchmakers, she loves spending time with her family, watching SNL sketches, and of course, listening to podcasts. Julie was kind enough to come on the show and share practical tips and insights for service providers and businesses looking to leverage podcast guesting as a marketing tool. We'll cover everything from getting started with outreach to creating a media kit and how to overcome podcast guesting jitters. If you want more visibility for your business and love to have interesting conversations, then podcast guesting might be a great visibility strategy for you. Let's find out. So here's Julie. Hi, Julie.
1: Hi, Kara. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. I love chatting with you, so I'm excited to share that with everyone.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm loving everything about your podcast so far.
0: Thank you. I'm having fun. It's been really fun. It's yeah. it's so different than the last time I did a podcast. I was not super aligned with like the why, and I hated the editing part. And now this time, I totally love the editing part. I'm cracking up listening to the conversations again, and oh, like fun, and loving that everybody gets to kind of feel like a fly on the wall and like be a part of the conversation. So it's been fun. Yeah, I
1: love that because it seems like at least the people that I've heard interviews with so far, it seems like you know them pretty well. And so I think that adds an extra level of fly on the wall for the listeners because it's just great when you get to hear that chemistry between the host and the guest. And sometimes that's really hard to create if they've never met each other before.
0: True. I was really hoping that it would it would feel like somebody was being brought into a conversation with friends and mm-hmm. that they were just a friend hanging out too.
1: That's totally so, what it feels like. So awesome. you're getting it.
0: Yay. Getting it. Yeah. Winning. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, and now we're here and we're friends and everyone gets to listen to our conversation. I know. I can't wait. And we're going to talk about podcast guesting.
1: One of my favorite topics. And I know yours too. That's what you facilitate. That
0: is your jam.
1: That is my jam. That is my jam.
0: And I love talking about it. It is such a fun topic because who wants to sit in front of the computer and write content all day long when they can get visibility talking to people?
1: Yeah. Well, and you and I have such a similar approach because you're all about the relationships, right? And the power of a relationship. And that's the same approach that we take too in our agency is that it's not a transaction. We're not just getting our clients on podcasts for the sake of getting a podcast interview. It's about creating a relationship that can go long beyond the interview. So I'm really excited to talk about this.
0: Oh, okay. So do you keep... So um? When this goes down live on the air, I will have already introduced you, but in the interest of everybody knowing kind of like how you operate, Mm -hmm. what are some of the types of ways that you in your agency help people get on podcasts?
1: Yeah. So primarily most of our clients hire us to do the done for you, just come up with the strategy. We develop a media kit for them. Uh, We do all the research, we do all the outreach, we handle the bookings, um, we get them prepped for the show, we get the host prepped for the guest. Um, It's very full service. So really our clients just have to show up, do the interview, do the few things that we tell them to do before the interview so that they show up really prepared um, and then wait for the interview to air. Um, That's most of our clients we do have an offering for people that want to do it themselves. They feel comfortable reaching out to hosts um, and we can develop a custom podcast list for them to pitch along with the application information or the host email. So that's something that we do for a smaller number of clients um, that want to do it themselves. So we'll just create a custom pitch list for them.
0: And is there a minimum period of time that clients need to work with you? Is there a six-month minimum oh, period? Yeah, yeah. Year? It's a six
1: month minimum. Most of our okay. clients are okay. with us longer, but it's a six month minimum. Just because it's a it's, I say this a lot, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's not a strategy where you start doing it and the next month it's like, oh, yay, I don't need to do it anymore. Um, just like any other kind of marketing, you kind yeah. of need to be in it for the long haul.
0: Yeah, I find the relationship marketing, the networking too. Yeah, uh, It's not a quick win. Like it's not, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and have a hundred billion like referrals coming in. And, yeah. uh, but it really compounds over time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the people who approach it from the opposite of relationship marketing, where I always think back to the olden days where you'd meet somebody at a networking event and they would just like word vomit all over you to borrow our friend's Nikki Rausch term. And it's just so gross. You feel like you need to take a shower because all they're trying to do is just sell you and they don't know anything about you. They don't know if you'd be a good fit for what they do. They just want to sell to you. So Ugh,
0: yeah. A hundred percent. I've actually been really struggling with the term networking lately because I know that's what we're doing. Like inside Ravel, we're networking, we're getting to know each other, we're building relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the definition of the word networking, which I love to do all the time, look at definitions of things, it that's what it says, building relationships in a business context. And like, yeah. but it has that kind of icky feeling because of the business card guys. And (laughs) like you said, the word vomit people. Um, So Yeah.
1: As somebody who used to run a networking organization, I totally feel you. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You did. And it was a good one I heard, right? Yeah. 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 Um, It was one of the good ones.
1: Yeah. I think similar to what you're doing with Revel. I mean, people would often say like, oh, I love the women you attract here. It's so great. But we still had that negativity with the connotation with networking. So mm-hmm. yeah, we just need to invent a new word, I think.
0: Yeah. I was trying to use relationship marketing. I'm actually running a poll in Nikki's group right now to see what people think relationship oh, marketing means. Okay. So it's exciting for me to hear that you focus on building relationships with not, so is it relationships between the podcast guests and the host? Um, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of two-sided.
1: So one is We obviously want to build relationships with the hosts that we work with um, because so many hosts get spammed by either people that don't know what they're doing or agencies that have a really transactional approach. So we want to stand out and be the kind of agency that they're like happy to get our pitches because they know they're going to be really aligned with their audience. So we're focused on relationship building there, but also with our clients. Um, so just as an example, when we're looking at good fit shows, and this would be a great tip for listeners that want to pitch themselves is look for hosts that have a complimentary product or service um, to what you do rather than doing the same thing that you do, because it's just going to be a more natural kind of referral relationship. If you're like you and I are in complementary spaces, so it makes it just a lot easier. Cause as I think of people like that would be a g- great fit for Ravel, I'm like, Oh, you need to talk to Kara. If I need know somebody who needs help with their LinkedIn strategy, like, Oh, you need to talk to Kara. So, um, so that's the hot tip. Like look at shows where the host is doing something kind of complementary to what you do.
0: You and I are so like right on alignment together because this is one of the worst pet peeves that drives me crazy is that it's like the idea that it's a spray and in- spray and pray type of situation, Mm -hmm. but it's actually, it's really strategic what you're doing. You're not just, it's like easy to imagine that maybe you'd be sending out a gazillion emails, just like, like talk to this person, talk to this person, but it's very targeted and strategic who you're reaching out to. And a lot of times you actually have relationships with them is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Ready. I would say, I mean, we definitely do our share of cold pitching because, um, a client might be in a niche that we just don't have those relationships. Um, but we're still approaching it from a place of value. And this is how the client is going to provide value to your audience. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Relationships first. It makes it so much easier to get someone to listen to you. Totally. <laughs> Isn't <Imagine> <laughs> It's crazy. Like sometimes Sometimes, like Melissa, our friend in Ravel that I always talk about, my best bestie, she loves it when she gets referrals from me because I've known her for so long. I'm always I can explain exactly what she does and why, she, why it's so good. And she says by the time she gets on a call with somebody to you know go over the work, they're just like, where do I sign? Yeah. Like does I mean no, who doesn't love that? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean that's where most of our clients come from is referrals. So either clients or people who know what we do, like they know us and trust us, and so when they send somebody here, that's Like they're, oh yeah, I already, so-and-so already told me that you're the jam and we need to stick with you. So it makes it so much easier.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Talk to me about the media kit for a second, because I think it's really cool that you put that together. You help someone put that together.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, So, similar to a speaker sheet where you would have your speaking topics, a little bit about you, your bio, um, the media kit is very similar. It's just positioned in such a way that a podcaster can look at it, get a sense of your vibe or your personality or your style. Um, you can convey a lot through images. Um, we always do, uh, custom branding. So it matches their branding. Um, we list what their interview topics are, um, a bio that's short, but long enough again to kind of give the host a sense of who they are and what do they do and who do they do it for, um, their contact information, their web, their social media handles, um, we'll do the sample questions. So giving the host a few ideas of what they could ask the guest. It's not necessarily the end all be all. It's just, you know, to like spark some ideas for mm-hmm. conversation starters. And what else do we do? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, and it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> we have an amazing designer, and she she creates wonderful media kits. So that's that. We just brought on a new client who had her own media kit, which was fine, um, but we redid it, and it looks so good. It looks so good. I just saw it, and I was like,
0: "Oh my gosh, you did amazing work, Diana!" Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. Um what was I going to ask you? Oh, I wanted to talk about some of the reasons that we'd want a guest on a podcast. It's, I yeah. mean, it's not, it's not an easy thing. You don't just like hop on any podcast you want, right? There's some investment in, like we said, building the yeah. relationships or, you know, investing in someone else building the relationships and doing that conduit thing to bring you together. So why, why is that such a great way to build your business? Yeah.
1: Well, give you one reason why it's not a good way to build your business because somebody told you, you should. (laughs) (laughs) So there are a lot of people out there like selling you on their programs. You need to guest on podcasts. Um, But for most people, um, it is a great way to do a few different things. So... Like we just talked about, building a referral network um, and creating strategic partnerships. It's phenomenal for that because you get to spend you know, we're going to spend an hour talking and I'll learn more about your business. You'll learn more about my business. And so when we're out there in the world doing our thing and we come across somebody that might be a good fit for you, I know both you and I kind of have that brain of like, Oh yeah, I connect them too. So, um, that's one of my very favorite pieces. Many of our clients have gone on to be recommended for speaking opportunities. Um, Writing op-ed pieces or contributed articles for publications, um, obviously referred for client relationships. So, um, I think that's kind of an overlooked benefit of guesting on podcasts. So let's see. There's the other one, which is, I think the reason why most people do it is to get in front of new audiences. So once you've been in business, or for instance, if you have a podcast and you're trying to get the people to know about it, um, and you're sharing about it on social media and you're emailing your list at some point, your network is all going to know about your business or your podcast and your service offerings. Um, so the way to kind of level up to the next, next level is to get in front of new folks and podcasting and being a guest on podcasts is a great way to do that. Um, so those are kind of two big ones. Um, there's a we have clients who do it just for ongoing visibility so they've been doing it now for many years where they just kind of continually go on shows that their target audience listens to as a way to keep growing their email list or keep their pipeline going for discovery calls
0: and like most of us actually i think all of us ravelers are service based like b2b service based yeah. entrepreneurs and so yeah. we don't need A gazillion clients. No. We just need a handful of the right ones.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: So, so what do you say about the types of podcasts that we should be wanting to be on? Are they, (laughs) what's a good, how do we, how should we think about that?
1: Yeah. Well, you and I talked about that before is bigger is not always better. So, busting that myth of that you need to go on Amy Porterfield show or Entrepreneurs on Fire. (laughs) So, Um, I really suggest like another tip is look at who your top clients are, um, like specifically what industries are they in and look at podcasts in those niches. Um, The more targeted a podcast, usually the better result because their audience is super engaged. Like if you're doing content writing, like for the health and wellness space, there are so many health and wellness podcasts and they're having a variety of different people come on to talk about the business or excuse me like the practice of being in the health and wellness industry but if you're coming on as an expert in content writing like you really stand out so that would be a great place to start is looking at your client list and who are the people like what industries are the ones that kind of bubble to the top um ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. We also like to look at, if you're a podcaster, looking at what your top episodes are, because if those topics are resonating with your audience, they're probably going to resonate with another audience. And so like going out and looking at what shows would those topics
0: really resonate with? Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. It's, it's so many parallels between the you know referral networking and the podcast guesting.
1: It's totally. not a numbers
0: game. It's almost the same. (laughs) And I see a lot of podcasters have repeat guests, like you'll, which is kind of nice because then you kind of get to know the guest and you get to hear him again, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a number
1: of our clients go for repeat appearances. Actually, a friend of mine, I just saw her post that she was just invited back for the sixth time on somebody's podcast. Granted, it's over 10 years. But still, like that's a lot of that's a lot of guest appearances. Yeah,
0: ten years. I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that I was a, sort of a late adopter to the podcast thing. When did you I start know, listening to them? Just a few years ago, hardcore. But- okay. I, I don't know if it was because I was so immersed in like the writing, the content writing world. Yeah. Um, and I love books and everything, but it really feels like the kindest form of content these days. And I that's, think I've probably said that like way too many times lately, but.
1: That's such a great way to put it. um I was just with my my brothers and my sisters um to get together for a family member who's going through a really hard time. But my brother, he's so interesting. Like He's a professor and he's just retiring at the end of this year from being a professor and kind of morphing into his next phase of his career, but he loves going on trips by himself. And so <laughs> he was driving from Northern California to Park City, Utah, and it's like a 10-hour drive. He's like, oh, it's fine. I just listen to podcasts the whole way. I'm like, I, I can resonate with the listening to podcasts, but not the 10-hour drive. No, thank you. That's a lot. That's it's a lot of podcasts. Yeah. 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 I started listening to podcasts a long time ago. I want to say like 2009.
0: Yeah. That was way before I started listening. That was way before. I just, these days, I think I can't sit anymore. I don't want to sit anymore. I want to be moving, walking my dog. And I've talked to a lot of the gals in Ravel too about this. They'd love, which is why I started the podcast. Not everybody can sit for a one-to-one hour long conversation or 30 minute conversation to get to know somebody Mm -hmm. over a period of time. But if you can connect with them and hear them have a conversation and learn about them, then you can be like, oh, I really need to connect with that person. That's or, so
1: smart. And, and, then, and you nailed it on the head because like, I haven't had a chance to like really dive into the Ravel community. Um, but in listening to the interviews with Miranda and Dee, I was like, oh, I need to get to know them better because they're just super cool. And so much of your personality comes through on a podcast. Most of the time, I will say like me coming off a cold, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of rambling a little bit.
0: (laughs) No, you're not. You're fabulous. (laughs)
1: Um, But you get a sense of that person's energy and their vibe. And it's, it's the perfect example of like, you attract the people you want to attract and you repel the people that aren't for you. And that's what you want. Yes. We're not all for everybody.
0: Yeah. That's, I'm not really worried about like what anybody says on the podcast because, and, and similarly, what I say, like, there's a little less pressure when you mm-hmm. look at it through that light. Because if I say something that maybe I'm like, oh, I'll cringe a little bit later, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like my who best cares? friends who love me have seen me and heard me way worse than that. <laughs> and they still love me. So if I'm not your cup of tea, I'm not your cup That'll of be tea. be it. Exactly. So be it. I can't have, like, there's not many that many, there's not that many close relationships we can have anyway and keep them quality. So yes.
1: it's like 150 is the magic number.
0: Dunbar's number.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we didn't know the name
0: for it. Robin Dunbar's this, I, I got to stop. I feel like I'm uh, on repeat talking about this, uh, all the same psychology stuff all the time. Robin Dunbar is a social scientist, and he did a bunch of research around how many close relationships we can have. And there's like a circle structure that he uses. and one hundred and fifty is roughly, you know, the it was like the size of tribes back in the day and stuff like that. And so wow. I think we can have more than one set of these types of relationships. um, but on in the in- inner part of that circle, I guess we can only have, you know, five to fifteen I've really close mhm. Which makes it's you wonder that
1: you've gone that next level and really dug into the research behind it.
0: I'm a nerd. Oh, I love it. He's it's got a to- book called friends maybe, or something like that. He talks about the seven, the seven pillars of what bring people together. They discovered music was one of them, which was really mm-hmm. weird. Totally um, true. A couple of revelers will know that already probably because they go to fish concerts. Um, Sean Satterfield and I were talking and I was like, oh, you've got to talk to Lindsay. Lindsay Hope, she's been going to fish concerts with her sister. And Sean was like, yeah, I know. We all go together. And I was like, I didn't know you guys knew each other. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) That is so cool. But yeah, music. um,
0: Humor. Humor is one of them. Another reason just to be yourself, right? Because if you think something's funny and somebody else thinks it's funny, they're more likely to bond with you.
1: Yep. 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 So true. So true because I think about my closest friends and we think the same things are funny and we're both, you know, we're all really into like SNL, like that's our jam. And when I was in college, (laughs) we would stay up really late so that we could watch that together. Um, and I'm still in SNL, like I will cancel almost anything to watch it.
0: Oh, you're funny. I know you're funny. My dad used to have the VHS recordings from when I was a kid and I used to watch like the old, was it Steve? Um. Steve Martin. Yes. It's like the Steve Martin days. Um, I haven't watched a lot lately, but. Yeah, it's good. It's good. There
1: are these writers on the show that they do these um, mini segments called, and they're called, please do not destroy. And the clips are, please do not destroy. Look it up on YouTube. Like they are so funny. They're like (laughs) 21 or 22, but they really come up with some great stuff.
0: God, I love, I love humor. It's like. Um. Melissa and I are, you know, we've been biz besties and referral partners, Melissa Zimmerman for a long time. And we, I realized recently that half of our conversations are just memes and gifts. And like, the, we joke that that's our gifts are my love language. Like if you send me a funny gif, I'm, I'm yours forever. So okay. I'll have it's... to get better
1: about the gifts. <laughs>
0: I, I just figured out how to do them in Slack, which was like a ah, moment. It took
1: me a long time because one of my team members dropped a GIF in for something. I'm like, how did you do that? As Because yeah. I'm like you, I think newer to Slack, like yeah. we started using it maybe a year and a half ago, um, but there's still things that I don't know how to do. Um, like the whole, if I see something, I'm like, but I can't deal with that right now. Like remind me to do this in three hours or whatever it is
0: oh yes uh danielle lafleur just did a video for us on how to use slack and she showed us that or i think it was it was um leanne mitten okay she showed us that in in the video both of them were on there um but yeah i didn't know that was a thing either which was great i mean because i check my phone and i look at a text and if i don't like go in and mark it unread again Uh i'll forget all about it when the dot's gone yeah totally Totally. So totally guilty.
1: Okay. So yeah, you have all of these great trainings from other Ravelers that I need to go and explore.
0: Yeah, but yours is really great. So all the Ravelers who are listening here, anyone who ends up being a Raveler down the road, um, Julie did a training for us on how to get on podcasts and find the podcasts and all the good stuff is in there um, in that training. So I'll drop a link to that here, fun. here in the show notes. What would you say to people who are a little bit shy about using their voice maybe, or speaking in a, an interview situation, how, how would you tell them to calm down or approach being comfortable when they do podcasts?
1: Yeah. Well, I can't say just don't be nervous because that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there's two trains of thought that people go through. So one is they feel that like, why would anybody want to listen to me? I'm not expert enough. Um, you know, my audience is too small. So they start thinking about all the reasons that a host would say no to them. And so I would invite you to work on a reframe and the, the podcast like yours, for instance, right now you're doing interview style. So you need to talk to people every single week. Um, you're actually doing those hosts a favor by showing up and, being a guest for them. And if you are really nervous about it, like you can start small, you can start with shows that are, brand new or shows that are in pre-launch mode to where they're just recording their interviews before they launch cuz the stakes are pretty low <laughs> there's not <laughs> as many people that know about the podcast like you've got a community so you have listeners but a lot of people start a podcast and they have no community therefore no listeners so that might be a really good place to start just to get comfortable with the format and you know you learn that like you're literally on a zoom call or on some sort of recorded platform where it's just you and the host. Um, A lot of them do edit the show. So if you say something that's just totally off the rails um, or your dog starts going crazy, they can edit that out. So starting small is one way that you can go. Um, But the other thing to remember is that if you have a business and somebody is paying you money to do whatever it is that you do, like you have your own unique perspective that other people would love to hear about, Um, whether it's how you do business or why somebody needs to learn about what it is that you do or the problem that you solve for your clients. um, You have something to offer and just reframing that like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not big enough, or I haven't been around long enough. Like most hosts don't care about that.
0: I love that you said that because it's so easy for anyone to feel like we, um, we get what, what's it, um, expert syndrome. No, I was thinking about, um, was it like the curse of the expert or something, the curse of knowledge or something like that? Like where you, once you know something, you just kind of assume everybody else knows it and like, why is that special? But you start talking to people who don't do what you do and they are probably floored by what you do or why you do it or how you do it.
1: It's so true. It's so true. Um, and how oh, you just said something that reminded me, it's like the other piece is I feel like as women, we're so hard on ourselves. Oh god. And yeah. just <laughs> bring out your inner Kevin or your inner Brad or whatever <laughs> Brad. you want to call. Because guys aren't gonna do that. They're not gonna think like, oh, nobody's gonna want to listen to me. They love to share like why they're so great <laughs> and what they can do. So um if you need to tap into your inner kevin <laughs> do that but figure out a way to trick your brain into telling yourself that you're totally awesome and valid and worthy of getting out there
0: yeah i think women are told maybe don't talk so much more than more than boys are growing up little girls talk a lot and we're like jabber 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 and so it's hard to like think that somebody just wants us to talk a whole yeah. bunch yeah yeah <laughs> And also, like being the center of attention thing, maybe, and there's different personalities in different circumstances. Some people I have had an easier time probably deciding that I wanted to talk on podcasts and being okay with yammering on and on than maybe yeah. some other people. But I know there are a lot of people who are still way more comfortable than I am. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, I find
1: it so I me mean, because the thought of doing video on like Instagram or TikTok or a LinkedIn live is horrifying. Like, yeah, that's a hard poems, no for me just crawl under the desk no thank you but i can guest on podcasts all day long because you're just talking and having a conversation and sharing a bit about what you do so for people that hate social media like it's perfect because you don't have to do any of those things
0: yeah i keep in the back of my mind thinking i have to do the blogging thing and that i have to do all these other things and i i want to just chill out and be a podcast guest and talk to people and have that be it. Is Mm -hmm. that a viable visibility strategy? That's what I do. (laughs) So so yes, I think so. Um,
1: Yeah, we have a number of clients that I would say that's kind of our clients commonality is they tend to dislike being on social media and they were exploring this as an alternative to that. And they find that they love it so much that like, this is what they do. Um, in some cases, they might hire somebody to do some basic, like maintenance Instagram for them or maintenance LinkedIn for them. But this is where they show up fully.
0: Well, but as yeah, you and I possible. now know, thanks to Deanna Seymour, you and I now know that you can just put up a static nine grid. This whole static nine on Instagram and go <laughs> thanks, just Deanna. talk on podcasts all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Deanna. <laughs> Yeah. Like everybody's peace out on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Which I mean, I had heard about that since they changed to relying so heavily on video posts, but I didn't really realize until I started hearing it on other podcasts, like how people are just totally ditching the platform.
0: Yeah. I don't blame them. I don't love social. I, I use LinkedIn because it's easy to connect with people directly there. Yeah. And there's more conversations happening, which I like, but I don't Leave it there. Like everybody that I love ends up coming into Ravel and hanging out. And that's where I spend <laughs> 95% of my time. Yeah. And as aren't
1: you so lucky that you get oh, to do that? Because I
0: love it. you're everybody's in building
1: this place that people actually want to be. Um, and that's really hard to do. So kudos it's to so you because you're doing an amazing job.
0: So fun. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> you bet. Oh man, I was gonna ask you something. Gosh. Dude, what was it? Luckily, I can edit all of this out yeah. <laughs> while you I'm sitting talk here going, about Man. um
1: Like how to figure out what you're going to talk about on podcasts
0: or? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. definitely. Okay. Um,
1: so yeah, kind of, and this is the piece that when we're onboarding a client, we dig into coming up with really the best, because we can all talk about lots of different things, but you want to isolate down to the topics that are going to help whoever hears you do what you want them to do. Um, So if you're going on shows because you want more kind of ongoing visibility and you want to attract people to get on your email list, you want to design your topics so that people will do that. Um, So things to kind of just like get you thinking about what it is that you could talk about. Um, kind of the easy wins are like, what are questions that potential clients or your current clients ask you all the time? So what things do you feel like you're saying over and over again, like a broken record? Like those are usually great interview topics because they're pain points for people. Um, if you're a podcaster, I think I said this before, like, what are your top few episodes? Um, because if they're resonating with your audience, they'll resonate with other people's. Um, If you have a unique framework, um, the way that you work with your clients, or if you have a oppositional view to other people in your industry, um, that's a really good one. Because if you're saying something that is totally bucking the trend of what everybody else is saying, like, you know, if you're a social media marketer and you're like, screw TikTok, like that would be interesting because (laughs) everybody else is saying like, oh, you got to get on TikTok. So whatever it is that you can kind of plant your flag in the sand and say like, this is my viewpoint. Those are usually great interview topics. Um, And then there's just the general, like something in your business or a problem that you see that you could just talk about for hours. Like that's usually an indicator that that would be a good interview topic for you.
0: So when you work with clients in the done-for-you arena, do mm-hmm. you you work with them about on which of these topics they should be leading with? Exactly. And those exactly. kinds of things. Like
1: sometimes, um, well, I'll give an example. One of our clients, she has a personal assistant agency. So they work with people here in the Seattle area, but then they also provide placements of personal assistants all over the country. And, um, you know, she had a few ideas of what she could talk about, but we really drilled down and got super clear on her topics so that it's speaking to the pain points of the people that would need her services. So um, yeah, so that piece is really fun, kind of like digging in and getting through the weeds and finding what's really going to make a difference for people.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I should just go hire Julie and then I'll have my pillars that I need to, to write about or talk about or like follow hashtags around on LinkedIn. Yeah. So that yep. we would just love to
1: help you with that. All
0: concise. Um, we would love to help you with that. Yeah, I love the suggestion around questions that your clients and other people ask you because that speaks to the expert problem. If, totally. if somebody's asking you, I guarantee you somebody else doesn't know.
1: Yeah, always. Yeah. Always a hundred percent. And
0: any kind of problem that helps that podcast host solve a problem for their audience is reciprocity for the audience. Yeah, I mean,
1: they're always looking for things that help their listeners. And even if it's been talked about before, um, like the subject of sales, right? I mean, that's on a lot of business podcasts that's gonna come up. Um, but there's always a different spin that you know, a, an expert can put on it so that it's a different conversation than the one they had, say, six months ago.
0: And we all have opinions about things, right? Yeah, that yeah. are not mainstream, and maybe we keep quiet about them. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we definitely shouldn't. We shouldn't. Our your message matters, and so this is a great way to get heard by thousands of people that need to
0: hear what you have to say. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, I'm so uh-huh. into it. Would
1: it be okay to talk about like a few different ideas? Cause for people that are thinking about it and getting started, there's a few places that are a really good starting point um, in terms of taking the heavy lifting away from you so you can just get on shows. Um yeah. there are some podcast and guest matching sites out there that I think are worth exploring. There's one I feel like that's really good for women and it's called the podcast collaborative. I'll have to look this up and I can give it to you for the show notes.
0: I just got an email from them last week offering a dollar for the first month. Oh, I did it and I haven't dug in yet. It was a lot of onboarding information. I didn't have the energy to deal with, but it does look like friendly and Easy to deal with. It is friendly and
1: easy to deal with. And I just feel like they attract a lot more sort of female focused podcasts than some of the other matching sites that seem to be a little bit more bro y. Um, So that's always my go to for like a good starting point. Um, They have a Facebook group that's free to join and people will post you know, what type of guests they're looking for. People can post if they're looking to guest on shows. So that's a good kind of low cost way or free, depending on if you just join the Facebook group place to get started.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. That's helpful. Cause maybe not everybody's ready for the done for you thing. Totally. I do like the idea though, of just having it all like, yeah. dealt with and prepped and ready to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually just going to do a post on LinkedIn about this, about like, who is a good fit for done for you services when it comes to podcast guesting. And the things that we look for in clients are folks that have been in business for like at least three years, kind of as a general rule, because by that point, you're pretty clear on what you do and who you do it for. And you've got a pretty good idea of your messaging. Like, you might need some help with the pillars of what it is that you're going to talk about, but that piece is pretty solid. Um, That you have consistent revenue in your business. So you're not worried about, you know, being able to pay for an agency or whoever it is that you hire to do it for you. Um, So having some kind of marketing budget um, is important. And, um to just be a relationship focused kind of person again this would be like for us because um you're going to be an extension of that agency that you work with just the same way that they're going to be an extension of you and so if there's a mismatch there like if the client is really transactional and just i just want to get on as many shows as possible and they treat hosts that way then that's not going to reflect well on the agency Um, and vice versa. Um, We just had a really interesting experience because most of the times we work directly with our clients, but occasionally we will white label for PR agencies. And we did that. And we had a situation go really where we were not in alignment with the client and the PR agency. So we parted ways early in our agreement And one of the hosts that we had booked the client on, who's a great guy. And I just, Hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, we're not working with this agency anymore. So you can communicate directly when the, when the episode goes live. And um, he was like, I'm so glad to hear that, Julie. Like it was so, they were so transactional and it just felt icky and I felt used. And I said yes to them because of our relationship. Um, So anyway, good for you for... Terminating that.
0: Oh, that's a really interesting thing to think about, and I'm glad you said the word transactional because I've been trying to figure out like what is that opposite of relational? <laughs> that, it's that transactional. Bothers me so much. Yeah. And when I feel like somebody just wants to know what the trade is, what can I get from you? What do you? What can you do for me? Yeah. Like that that is such a gross feeling. Yeah. And it's transactional. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. So that maybe leads into some do's and don'ts around when you're guesting on podcasts. So like what comes to mind first is a don't. So don't ask the host. It would be weird to do this when you were pitching, but like, if you got a yes, don't ask them for, so how many downloads do you have? And, um, you know, don't put that on them because, They'll share it with you if they want to, but that shouldn't be why you're reaching out. Just don't do that. Just don't. (laughs) It feels really bad. And you can do some research on your own to kind of get a sense of how big the show is. You can check out list notes and see what their global ranking is. You can look at how many ratings and reviews that they have. Um, Look at their social media to get a sense of their following and how engaged it is. Like at the end of the day, you just want to go on shows that have an engaged audience and that somebody is listening to it. So,
0: And you mentioned in that training that you did for the Ravel Girls, you mentioned that if you're looking for podcasts, what is it? You maybe don't pitch to a podcast that has less than 20 or 30 episodes. I forget what you said.
1: Yeah. We look at shows, um, you know, we kind of classify established as having 30 episodes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I so, actually thought about that when I launched Ravel with two uh, episodes. And I was like, oh it's <laughs>
1: different. Like have done that. <laughs> again. That's a general rule. And this is for our, you know, for our clients that what we're looking at again. If you're just getting started podcast guesting, go on some shows that have 10 episodes or five episodes. Like it's fine.
0: I would imagine just do it for fun too. Do it for yes. practice. Do it because yeah. nobody's
1: listening. Because it's a muscle and you got to get yeah. used to doing it so that it feels comfortable.
0: Like one of the podcasts that I did last the uh, last year or the year before lasted like six episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was just me and Melissa talking about marketing. And we kept joking that it didn't matter because nobody literally nobody was <laughs> listening. <laughs> And we ended up not dis- deciding not to continue it because it was yeah. too much of like an inside conversation and it wasn't yeah. relatable, but, yeah. um, you know, experiment.
1: It totally. Uh, that's what a lot of marketing is, right. It is experimenting. Totally. So yeah, if you're just getting started, definitely feel free to go on the shows that are newer.
0: That's yeah, that's good advice. Um, and like we said, we're in a service-based industries that don't require a huge audience, just a handful of the right ones. Especially if they're like an ideal client, if you end up connecting somehow with an ideal client who is connected to other ideal clients. Like it really, the whole time I was doing content marketing, I only had like one or two referral partners, but they were really strategically aligned. Nice. it just didn't matter because they had all access to all the great clients. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's a really fabulous place to be in. And I'm so glad that I'm a service provider and not like a course creator or something that relies on just getting so many eyeballs on your stuff so that you get that one or 2% conversion when you send out your email. It's just, it sounds so hard.
0: <laughs> it does. It sounds really exhausting. It sounds exhausting and um kind of defeating. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, that doesn't sound yeah, We're lucky. We're
1: lucky. Yeah. Um so yeah, a couple of other do's so when you're reaching out to shows, um look at their website. Um that's always really important even if you you find a show and you're think, "Oh, I'd be perfect for this show." Go and look at their website. What does the host do? Check out the about page on their website. Um look at their social media following, just get a sense of who they are. Because if it's a show that you don't really have any experience with, you haven't listened to it yet, it just gives you a sense of their personality, um, what they're all about, what do they do, who are their clients. Um, And to that point, always, always, always listen to the show before you pitch it. Because Again, anything you can do to make your pitch more relationship-focused rather than transaction-focused, that will give you a leg up on everybody else that might be pitching to be on that show. Um, What else was I going to say to that point? Um, Those are kind of the big ones. Like, don't pitch a show cold without listening to it first. And don't pitch it before you've done a bit of research about it.
0: Yeah. I've I've seen issues come up too where I've heard people pitching podcasts that only that oh, like only accept guests from their coaching container yes. or something like that. Yes. And so yes. it kind of is like a red flag to the podcast host that you really don't give a crap enough to totally. listen. Or know who they are, that kind of thing. So, yeah.
1: And you can usually, like, if you pull up the show in whatever podcast platform you listen to it and you start looking at the episode descriptions, um, it will say, like, in this conversation with my mighty mentorship member, and, like, they'll <laughs> reference the fact that they're in their membership or a client of theirs. So you could pretty quickly assess if. They only take people that are in their programs or they only talk to their good friends. And, you know, so so go that extra step to actually look at the episodes and see who are they talking to.
0: Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, well, since we're getting to the end of our time, I will ask you this. When we wrap up an episode, it's usually common to give like a way to keep in touch or mm-hmm. a freebie or something. Yep. Do you think that it's worth putting together a free freebie, even if you don't have one specifically for a podcast, or is it enough to just say, connect with me on LinkedIn?
1: It's totally enough to say, connect with me on LinkedIn. It really depends on your goals. Again, um, if most of the people listening are service providers and hiring you means hopping on a discovery call to learn a little bit more about them and you, and if you'd be a fit, most people, again, When, like, if I'm thinking about hiring, say, a bookkeeper, and I hear somebody on a podcast that I'm like, that's the bookkeeper that I want. I don't want to get their freebie and get in their email sequence. (laughs) I just want to hop on a call and see if we'd be a fit. So I think that's been a big change in podcast guesting where it was used to be all about the funnel. I think now it's a lot more about, like, let's connect. And so whether it's connect on LinkedIn or go to my website and if you want to chat through what you're going through, book a book a 15 minute call. Um, I see that being a lot more commonly used um, with service providers at least.
0: I am so glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of a lead magnet or some kind of freebie is so that you can access that person again and keep in touch with them, stay in mm-hmm. front of them, right? Mm-hmm. Become familiar. Yeah. Well, I feel like LinkedIn does the same thing. Totally. And nine times out of 10, you can get on a zoom call with somebody after a couple of back and forths. No big deal. Not sleazy, not salesy, just like, Hey, let's connect. Let's talk. Let's see if we like each other. And, um, that's like way cooler than a lead magnet uh, in a lot of ways.
1: And on LinkedIn, you know, you're not going to get buried or sent into a promotions folder that nobody's ever going to see your email anyway. So yeah. And and because I think it's only like 2% of LinkedIn users actually post. Um, if you're posting and people are much more likely to see your content there, then again, to actually get and see and read your email. like there's a lot of steps there. The email's got to make it into the right inbox folder. then the person actually has to open it and then they actually have to read it. So that's like three barriers compared yeah. to just connecting with me on LinkedIn so much easier
0: not to mention the barriers on like my end if I want to create a lead magnet, I have to <laughs> make it pretty and I have to have an email provider and some kind of way to give it to you and you know, all of that just sounds like, Really a lot of work. Yes. And yes. I'm Thank not you. you
1: just gave me another idea for a LinkedIn post.
0: <laughs> totally not bagging on anyone who has lead magnets. I'm yeah. probably putting one together because I have something I genuinely want to give away. Yeah. Maybe I'll just give it away. I don't know. But it it does work. It's not a bad thing at all. It's just if no. you don't want to, yeah. Julie says it's okay just to connect on LinkedIn.
1: It is okay. And um yeah, because it takes a lot of mental energy. And sometimes that can be the procrastination piece that keeps you from doing the next thing. So, yeah, great question.
0: How about you? What is there a freebie? Do we connect with you on LinkedIn? Where should uh, we go?
1: Yes, I would love to and I have been connecting with a lot of ravelers on LinkedIn and I love it. So, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Julie Fry, like French Fry. And um, I do, if you're interested on being a really awesome podcast guest, we have the best guest ever checklist of what to do before, during, and after your podcast interview.
0: Oh, nice. And you I can bet get that. that at
1: your expert guest slash checklist.
0: I'll include that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's probably a really great list. I can't even think of like anything that I would think to do before, during, or after. So <laughs> I
1: might have to go um, check that out. I bet you you're pretty good at the things. Yeah. If, I don't if know, I, guess, Kara. I you're, don't know. but you're, oh, you're pretty savvy
0: before we go. You don't, you're not just doing the done for you too. You have also that kind of middle of the road offer where yeah, you're yeah. doing like it's, the list.
1: Yep. Yep. It's called your custom pitch list. And so we, um, have a, an intake form for you to complete, where we learn about your ideal client, why you want to be on podcasts, um, just a bit more information so that we can design a customly researched list of shows for you. Um, And it includes all the details you'd ever need to know. So social media channels, um, how to apply either the application link to apply or the host names and the email or the producer's name and email, depending on how they like to be pitched. So um, yeah, that's something that you can learn more about at our website, or I'm always happy to chat about
0: it. Lots of options, lots yeah. of options. So, yeah. all right. Well, everybody's going to go connect with you and thank Yay. you. Yay.
1: Yay! Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. This is fun.
0: Thank and you for being it's here. It's always
1: a delight to get to talk to you.
0: Same here. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining in the conversation. I wanna thank you for being here. And if you like what you heard, consider giving your fellow Raveler a virtual hug by texting her episode to a friend or sharing it with your audience on your favorite social media platform. When women support each other, we are capable of anything. And if you're not already part of the Ravel Collective and just happened to find this episode somehow, head over to the website at ravelcollective.com for all the juicy details on joining us.